This morning, I'd like to talk to you on the topic, the price of being a disciple of Christ. The price of being a disciple of Christ. The price of being a disciple of Christ. Now, everything that you can ever acquire or desire in this life has a price. And what comes to my mind first is bright price. Bright price. And studies have indicated that the reason why divorce is not so common in Africa is not because the men there are good or the women there are good. One of the things that contributes to the stability in marriage is bride price. Because when you think about what you go through to get married to a woman and having to start all over again, you say, I'm going to work it out. I'm going to work it out. Because... In this culture, you can meet a girl at the mall, you propose to the girl right there, you guys walk down the street, you sign papers, and you're married. But in Africa, you have to show the girlfriend to your sisters, if your sisters like the girl. <laughs> if they don't give you compliments about the girl, you know that that may be a bad chance for that girl to come into that family. Then you have no door, where you officially introduce yourself to the parents. And sometimes... The girl's sisters may just see you and hate you for no reason. Like that boy's mouth is very long. That could be the reason for your disqualification. And after they knock down, you come again to come and collect the lease. And all these occasions deal with food and drinks. Then there's traditional wedding. After traditional wedding, you guys go to the court. All these things involve food and money. And people will be displaced from different locations to attend the occasion. Is somebody hearing me? Then after that, you have the church wedding. Then in some typical villages like Nigeria, even after you are married to the girl, the girl does not go to your house. There is another day they call, they are coming to escort the girl to the marriage now. It has to do with food and drinks. Now when you go through all this process, and you guys begin to have misunderstanding, do you think about separating? You think about all you've spent to arrive where you are, I'm going to fix this problem. So there's a price. In the Bible, Jacob was engaged to a lady that he so loved called Rachel. The Bible says Rachel was fair and beautiful. On the night Jacob was supposed to get married to Rachel, Jacob was deceived and they gave Jacob Leah. And the Bible clearly says that Leah was tender eye, meaning that Leah had what we call in Cameroon four o'clock eye. And Jacob was not attracted to women like that. Jacob had to work another seven years, making it 14, to get married to his dream woman. That was commitment and the price you pay. Everything you want in this life has a price. I was telling the story of a sister who gave me a gift card to this store called Neiman Marcus. So it was a $250 gift card. And in my mind, I'm like, with this $250 gift card, I can get me a good suit. So I went to the store in Tyson's Corner. I walk into the store like I was the president's son, my $250 gift card. Just walking in the store, relaxing like I just want the TV launcher or something. I go to the main section. When I saw the price tag on the first thing, it was a tag. The tag was $249.99. I'm like, they added a zero without my knowledge. I went close. After walking around the store, I realized that the cheapest thing I could buy according to what I had, was that time. Wow. So I said, okay, let me buy something for my wife since I can't afford anything. So I said, women's things are not always very expensive. 
I saw a sign for a nice dress, like a few meters away. It says 60% off. I'm like, even if the devil is wicked as what, 60% off will qualify me to use this gift card. When I went close, after 60% off, the dress was six hundred and seven forty-seven ninety-nine. Wow. Then I walked out of that store. I started looking for a way to sell my gift card. I found it online. Then I realized that whatever you are going to do in this life has a price. And if you don't know the price, don't get it. May I tell you that becoming a disciple of Jesus has a price. And if you don't know the price, don't claim to be a disciple because there is a price you have to pay in order to be a disciple of Jesus. Is somebody hearing me this morning? When we talk about disciple, you realize that Jesus had 12 disciples. But he had over 5,000 crowds of people that followed him. But in, those, in that crowd, he had only 12 that he called disciples. What was the difference between the crowd and the disciples? I'll tell you this this morning. Jesus fed the crowd. For example, when he fed them with five loaves of bread and two fishes, he fed the crowd. But to the disciples, he gave them the Lord's Supper. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Jesus preached to the crowd, but he taught the disciples. The difference. Jesus showed miracles to the crowd, but he showed his disciples the kingdom. Is somebody hearing me this morning? Jesus gave blessings to the crowd. But to the disciples, he gave them the power to be a blessing. That was the difference. Jesus prayed for the crowd. But he taught his disciples how to pray. That was the difference. So what was the main difference between the crowd and the disciples? One thing that stood out between the crowd and the disciples was commitment. Is somebody hearing me? Commitment was what distinguished the crowd from the disciples. Commitment. So if you are going to be a disciple of Jesus, there is one word that distinguishes you from the crowd. Commitment. Without commitment, you cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ. As we look into this text this morning, I want us to go into this text and dig out some things that will help us understand what Jesus is saying in this text. And for us to go and get the understanding of what Jesus is saying in this text, we have to respect the context. Like I said, there is something in Bible interpretation called the context. Sometimes in your Bible, you will see your Bible has little headers, like Jesus walks into Jerusalem. That small passage is called pericope. It means that that small heading carries one idea. So if you are going to get the whole meaning of what one verse is saying, you have to read everything under that heading to get the whole idea. And that in, in Bible interpretation is called immediate context. Then there is something called the near context. Meaning that sometimes, even after you read that small passage, you don't get the full understanding. You have to go to the next chapter sometimes, or the next area to get the understanding of what Jesus was saying. For example, when Jesus told the disciples, there are some of you standing here that will not see death till they see the Son of Man coming down in glory. And the disciples were thinking, are you saying that some of us will not die until you come back again in glory? But when you read the next chapter, you realize that Jesus was talking about the transfiguration 
when he was actually glorified and the disciples saw him. So for us to understand what Jesus was saying in this text, we have to go two steps backward to get understanding of what he meant when he said what he said in Matthew chapter 16, 24 and 25. In Matthew chapter 16, from verse 13 to 20, Jesus in this text defines his true identity against the presumption of his disciples. Now you realize that in the Jewish culture, in the Jewish men mentality, when the Messiah was to come, the idea of the Messiah was somebody that was going to be powerful, somebody who had money, who would overthrow the Romans and restore the independence of Israel. And so this was who the Jews were expecting the Messiah to be. Now that when you think about the background of Jesus, not only was he poor, Jesus' parents were so poor that even the poor people could call them poor because they could not even afford the maternity for Jesus to be born. And so when the Jews looked at the background of Jesus, it did not fit into any class to be considered the Messiah. So when Jesus came and was preaching, the disciples were thinking that maybe this man is going to grow up, get a good job, raise some money, then build a military that we are going to use to overpower the Romans. So through this period that the disciples were working with Jesus, in their minds, they were thinking that maybe Jesus is going to start raising funds. Like people do in the United States when they are running for president, they raise funds in order to get money for the campaign. This is what they were thinking. And hoping that Jesus was going to do that. And when you read the Bible, you hear a man called Simon the Zealot. Zealots were actually people that had prepared themselves, waiting that when the Messiah comes, they will join the Messiah to fight the Romans. And that is why somebody like Simon the Zealot, who was one of the disciples, was so eager to see the day that Jesus actually gives them the go-ahead to fight the Romans. But in this text, Jesus begins to redefine his identity to the disciples when he asks Peter, who do people say that I am? Because people had different mentality or different perspective about who Jesus was. But Jesus had to clarify his identity to the disciples so that they could follow him for the right reason. In verse 21 to 23, Jesus then moves further to predict his death. And this was a frustration for the disciples. Can you imagine that? You leave your job, for example, you leave maybe Cameroon, you leave wherever you came from to follow somebody. Hoping that this man is going to be maybe, maybe president of this country. And sure, if you become a, a, the president of this country, you're my friend. There is no way that I will not get a position in the government. This is what they were thinking. That is why sometimes in the Bible, the disciples were arguing who is greater among us. Because in their minds they were thinking, if Jesus eventually overpowers these Romans and takes over this kingdom, who is going to be next to him? That is what they were thinking. And then in this text, Jesus begins to talk about his death, which was a disappointment to the disciples because they are thinking, we follow this guy all these years, hoping he's going to run for elections and take power. Now, instead of progressing in this ambition, he's talking about dying. That is why Peter begin, began to rebuke Jesus, say, Jesus, it will not happen to you. The reason why Jesus rebuked Peter and said, devil, get deep behind me, was not just because of what Peter said, was because of the motive of what Peter said. Because Peter was saying this because the motive of Peter was for Jesus to stay alive and continue with that political ambition so that someday when Jesus eventually takes power, 
they too have places in authority. This was their mind. And Jesus said, devil, get thee behind me. So there was a dominion strategy that the disciples had cultivated, hoping that Jesus will endorse that strategy by overpowering the Romans. So talking about his death was a clear contradiction to whatever they were thinking. It was a disappointment to what they had conceived to be their future. Like I said, imagine that you have a friend who says, I'm going to be the governor. You know, if this guy becomes a governor, there is no way I will not be a congressman in Fairfax. Somehow, somehow, I'll have a connection. Then your friend gets some money and tell you, man, I feel like I'm dying in two weeks. What a disappointment. This is how the disciples felt. Then in verse 24 to 28, Jesus then stipulates the price of being a disciple. Because all this why they have followed him for several reasons. And now Jesus is about to redefine what is the qualification of a disciple. Because many followed him because of the bread and fish that they ate. Some followed him because they wanted power. You remember in the Bible there is a woman who came to Jesus and told him, Jesus, I have a request from you, please. Jesus said, what can I do for you? The woman said, look, grant it that one of my sons sit in your kingdom, one on the left and one on the right. This was the mother of one of the disciples. And the disciples got so offended that you went and brought your mother to come and beg Jesus to give you a position in the kingdom. Because in their minds, they were not thinking about anything salvation, anything heaven. They were thinking about power here on earth. So Jesus in this text is redefining to the disciple the qualification of who is a disciple. He said, many of you ate, follow me because you ate bread and fish. Some of you because of the miracles that you saw. Some of you because of the blessings. But now, let me tell you who is qualified to follow me. Hallelujah. So Jesus in this text, like I said, is reconfiguring the mind of his disciples. Because from the beginning, their, their mindset was, we follow him, we see all these miracles, then at the end, we get some blessings and some prosperity. Peter even came to Jesus one time and said to Jesus, Master, we've left our houses, our parents, our businesses to follow you. What shall be our reward? And Jesus said, there is no one who has left all these things that will not get a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. Like I said, all through, they were thinking about what they would get in this life. So this new revelation that Jesus gave to the disciples will now determine who will continue. The Bible also says that when Jesus started talking about his death, many left him. When Jesus started talking about his death and resurrection, many left him because like, oh, he's coming to an end. This guy was a local champion. His reign is coming to an end. They left him because in their mindset, they were looking for somebody that would overpower the Romans and give them power among the Jews. So this was a separation from the fan club to the disciples. It was a, now a separation of those who were called fans and those who were disciples. In every church, in every organization, in every place, there are fans and their members. The difference between fan and, fan and members are this. For example, if you, look at, if you look like big stars, whether it's a secular star, musical stars, they have people that they work with them. Whether it's in their musical uh, career, they have some close people that work with them, like personal assistant, personal manager, their lawyers. These are actually people that are called members of their career. Then you have fans that watch them on TV and yell and scream, but the, the celebrity doesn't even know you. If you guys met even in a mall, she won't recognize you, but you are the fan. So even in the kingdom of God, we have fans 
and we have disciples. That is why in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, many are going to come to me on that day and say, Lord, did I not do miracles in your name? Did I not do that in your name? He said, I will say to them, go away from me and know you not. Because they were just fans who waved at Jesus, who celebrated Jesus, who clapped for Jesus, but never had anything to do with Jesus. So I pray this morning that you will not be a fan, but you'll be a disciple. Hallelujah. May you not be a fan. May you be a disciple. If you are going to be a disciple who is committed to Jesus, there is a price you have to pay. Number one, Jesus says, if anyone wants to be my disciples, number one, let him deny himself. Number one, deny yourself. What does it mean to deny yourself? It means you have to disregard yourself, lose sight of yourself, forget yourself, forget your own interests. It means everything about your life now is Christ. It's no longer about you. It's about Jesus. Hallelujah. It's no longer about what you want, what you desire. Everything about your life is about Jesus. You cannot be a follower of Jesus. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and still expect to cash all the fun in the world. Can I say that again? You cannot be a disciple of Jesus and still expect to cash all the fun in the world. You have to deny yourself. What the church has done, which to some people is good, is that some churches have tried to modify their churches so that when people come from the world to the church, they don't feel uncomfortable. But the truth about Christianity is that if you're not uncomfortable as a Christian, you're not yet a Christian. Because everything that Jesus came to establish was to bring discomfort to this flesh so that you can get comfort when you get to eternity. Is somebody hearing me? But what we try to do today is that we try to modify things. We modify our music. We modify our church system. We modify our time and everything to get people comfortable. But if you are really a disciple of Jesus, it's no longer about you. It's about Jesus. You deny yourself. You deny yourself. What does it mean? There are some inconveniences you have to go through as a Christian. If you are not yet going through those inconveniences as a Christian, you have to recalculate the price you're paying as a disciple. What does this mean? God takes the first place in your family, in your marriage, in your finances, in every decision that you make. One of our friends I used to work with, he studied networking. He got his first job with Verizon. This job was paying somewhere. But this guy is a seven-day Adventist. They are day to worship is Saturday. And they told the guy, you have to work Saturday and Sunday. The guy said, no, I'm not interested in the job. Because he said, there is no way I'm going to take a job that will take me away from God. He declined the job. But a man who has not denied himself will take the job first. Then come and negotiate with God after on how to fix the schedule. When it's no longer about you, you put God first before anything you want. Is anybody hearing me? When you've denied yourself. I was actually challenged that this is a guy who is willing to leave the, let the job go. And guess what? After he let that job go, another job came for him. Monday to Friday. Paying better than the one that he left because he denied himself. You can never see the glory or the reward of the Lord if you have not denied yourself. Is somebody hearing me this morning? The reason why people compromise 
The reason why people are divorcing today like crazy is because people live for themselves today. They don't live for Christ. When somebody gets offended and you try to advise them or tell them the truth, say, I don't, I don't care. This is how I feel. Today, everything is about feeling. I feel like, I feel like, I feel. Nobody wants to do what God is saying. It's about feelings. I feel like living, I live. I feel like separating, I separate. I feel like divorcing, I divorce. Nobody wants to do what God is saying. When you are a disciple, it's no longer about you. It's not about what you feel. It's not about what you want. It's about what God is saying. You deny yourself. Hallelujah. Are you willing to deny yourself? It's not about feelings. Number two, Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. What does it mean to take up the cross? In the Jewish culture, anytime somebody carried a cross, it means a person was on his way to crucifixion. Like Jesus had to carry the cross from where he was condemned all the way to Golgotha where he was crucified. So when Jesus tells the disciples, carry your cross and follow me, it means that be willing to die for me. That is what he's saying. Carry your cross and follow me. Carrying the cross means you are beginning the journey to death. What does that mean? Not physical death in this context because Jesus already died for us. We can't die again for ourselves. But what does this mean? You have to die in your flesh. Meaning that sometimes somebody will insult you, provoke you, but you won't fight back because there is a cross on your back. This flesh must die. Is somebody hearing me? There are times you have troubles in your relationship, in your marriage. You know you are right. But there is nothing you can do because there is a cross on your back. But people that do not want to carry the cross. You know, if you are carrying a big weight, you can't fight. If you've, if, if you've ever carried a big weight on your head and somebody is provoking you when you are coming back from the farm. All you can do is promise the person we'll see after. Because you can't fight. But what happens today is that some people put the load down. Then they go fight. If you are truly a disciple who is carrying the cross, people will insult you. They will do things against you, but you can't, you can't react because there is a weight that you carry that won't allow you to fight. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Carry your cross and follow Jesus. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18, the Bible says the message of the cross is foolishness to them that are perishing. But unto us who are being saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. The message that we hear today on the pulpit is, it shall be well with you. You will prosper. You will buy a new car. You will buy a new house. I see your husband coming. All those things are good. But if Jesus died to give us a new car, then he died for nothing. Because the richest man in the world is not a Christian. If Jesus died just to give you a house, then he died for nothing because... The people that own the best houses, even in Virginia, are not Christians. Jesus did not die to give you cars, to give you houses, to give you husband, to give you a good job. Jesus died so he could save your soul. That is why he said, the reason why I came is so that this flesh can die, so that your spirit can live for eternity. Carry your cross and follow me. What does it mean to carry the cross? It means that you're going to embrace Daily sufferings for the sake of Jesus. Maybe, for example, maybe you drove from a distance to be here this morning. By every convenience, you shouldn't be here this morning. But there are some difficulties you take upon yourself in order to do what God is asking you to do. That is the cross. 
There's some difficulties you should not be in. But for the sake of Jesus, you decide to stay in that difficulty for the sake of Christ. Like somebody driving to church during snow. And people who don't have no commitment to Christ are looking at you like, are you crazy? Can't you stay home? But you understand that this is not about me. It's about me carrying my cross. Or during the rain. Or somebody missing over time so they can be in church. Maybe just at the time when you're about to come to church, that time and a half shows up. What is your choice? Do you follow time and a half or you follow Jesus? If you are truly carrying the cross, even though that money is so good when it hits your account, but you understand that I have to do something for the Lord. You, you, you give that away. That is the cross. Those inconveniences, those disadvantages that you take upon yourself for the sake of Jesus, that is the cross. But there are people who will say, God, wait. Let me make this time and a half first. Then in two months I can re- recalculate my schedule. The cross is the daily sufferings, the daily inconveniences that you go on for the sake of Christ. Or for example, a man comes your way who has everything a man can have. But this man does not know God. And the man wants to marry, say, I will not marry because you don't have Jesus. That is a cross. Or you go to a job and they want you to lie in order to get that job. You say, I won't get this job for a lie. That is a cross. Those things that you would have gotten if you were an unbeliever, but for the sake of Christ, you gave them away for Jesus. That is a cross. There are some things you won't do again, like you used to do in the world. That is the cross. Like a girl who used to party with all her friends during the weekend. And then she gave her life to Christ. And this time on Friday, all their friends are wearing their booty pants and everything, preparing for nightclub, doing selfie. Then, woo! It's going to be hot this night. And then she has to stay there in one corner reading her Bible. That is the cross. I could be in the club this night, shaking like every other person. But for the sake of Jesus, I prefer to stay home back, boring, than reading the Bible. That is the cross. And Jesus said, if you are going to be my disciple, carry this cross and follow me. You can't catch all the fun and still be a disciple. You have to make a choice. Amen. People are going to call you awkward, old school, because you don't do things that they do, but that is the cross. Hallelujah. And lastly, it says, take up your cross and what? Follow me. What does it mean to follow? It means you cleave steadfastly. You hold firm to Jesus. You conform to him wholeheartedly and living by example. Now, in the Jewish tradition, if you were an apprentice, you dare not walk before your master. So if the master was walking, you all of you walked behind on purpose. That shows submission, and that showed that he was the one leading the way. So when Jesus said to the disciples, take up your cross and follow me, he was giving them a picture of submission, a picture of somebody that was willing to follow direction. That is what Jesus was saying. It was a picture of submission. What does this mean? This practically means that if you are a disciple, Christ does not follow you. You follow Jesus. Let me explain. If you are a disciple, Jesus does not follow you. You follow Jesus. Now take for example, if, an, if a golden opportunity shows up now in your email and say, we have this job for you in North Carolina. This job has 100% free insurance, full coverage for the family. It is paying $75 an hour. You're going to have a company car and a house. Do you even pray to ask God's will before you take that job? What many of us will do is we take the job first, get to North Carolina, 
And when we cannot sleep in the house, we start calling Jesus. Jesus does not follow you, you follow him. Is somebody hearing me? Meaning I consult God first. God, are you going with me to North Carolina? If he says no, then I'm not going. Because God does not follow people, we follow him. But today, many of us make decisions and we go ahead of God and God is behind. That's why we face trouble, we face difficulties, we face obstacles, disappointment and pain because... When Jesus goes ahead of you, guess what? He fights the battles ahead of you before you arrive. But when you go before Jesus, you fight the battles for yourself. So if Jesus is leading the way, you have to follow. He doesn't follow you. What does it mean? Like I said, it means you seek God first before you move. You don't make decisions, then you invite Jesus. Rather, you consult God before you make any decision. What does it mean to follow? Your opinion does not count. Can you imagine how you're in a car driving? You have weights, for example, on. Weights. Those of you, those of you use weights. You have it on. Then there is somebody on the passenger seat with another GPS or maybe using Google Maps. And Waze is telling you, make a left at exit 47. And the person with Google Maps is telling you, make an exit, make a, 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 a left at exit 49. Who do you follow? Do we follow the driver or we follow the passenger? This is exactly what has happened to many Christians. Jesus is driving the car. He has the GPS to your destination. But since you don't want to follow him, you put your own GPS on. And you're trying to tell him, hey, Lord, Lord, uh, this is not, I'm trying to exit. Please, use the next exit. And he's like, are you willing to follow me or I'm following you? When you are truly following, you turn your GPS off. And you trust that the driver knows the way to the destination. Is anybody hearing me this morning? Your opinion does not count when you follow Jesus. You trust him and he takes you to the destination. He says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. There is a difference between democracy and theocracy. What is democracy? The government of the people by the people for the people. But what is theocracy? Theocracy, this does says the law. If democracy... God says something, or somebody says something to you don't like, you can argue. You can tell, this is what I feel, this is what I think. But in theocracy, God says the law. You cannot argue with God says the law. Is that I do it or not? So, when you are a disciple of Jesus, you don't try to reason with God. You do what God is saying. Amen. It's either you obey it or you disobey it. Because God is not here to argue with you. God is here to give you instructions that will benefit your life and future. There is no great leader who was not once a follower. Let me say that again. There is no great leader who was not once a follower. So for you to get to the place where you can lead, you must be a follower. And Jesus said, today, take up your cross and follow. I don't know how many people are, people are here who are willing to follow Jesus. Is that you're following yourself? Or you're following your dreams? Or you're following your career? Or you're following your family? Or you're following Jesus? But let me tell you the truth. When you follow Jesus, every other thing will follow you. Amen. He says, seek in first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And every other thing shall be added unto you. Once you decide to follow Jesus, family will follow. Jobs will follow. Money will follow. Amen. But when you follow money, you may lose your family. You may lose everything in the process. So, follow Jesus. Amen. Amen. Follow Jesus. Submit to him in your daily living. Once you begin to follow Jesus, everything around your life will follow. 
Jesus is searching for people this morning who are willing to follow him wholeheartedly. Like I said, Jesus wants to make the distinction between fan club and disciples. Fans are there with you when you rise. The day you fall, they're all gone. Like today, if we have two celebrities on TV and one is shining, she'll have the more fans. But the day she falls, they're all gone. But disciples are those who will cry with you, stand with you in the rain, in the snow, on bad days, on good days, because they are more concerned about the mission than the success. Hallelujah. Can we stand on our feet this morning? I don't know if you're a fan or you're a disciple. But God is saying this morning, if you truly want to be my disciple, take up your cross. Follow me. Deny yourself. Because God is about to do something in your life. Can you bow your hands and talk to the Lord? I don't know what you heard this morning. I don't know what came to your mind this morning. What have you been following? What have you been after? See, you have to choose where you belong and where you decide to follow. I was telling the story to one of my brothers the other day about one of our elders in church in Cameroon. This man came to church so faithfully and everybody thought that he was a serious man of God. He finally died. The day he died, the whole church was mobilized, thinking, oh, we are going to bury our elder, give him a befitting burial as a church member. On the day of the burial, once the church showed up at the mortuary, all the women had tied their pine, all the youths with their t-shirts, all mobilized to take out the corpse of their elder from the mortuary. To their greatest surprise, there was another convoy of black or people with black suits and red muffler, all singing. And they chose to maybe these people are coming for another cause. They came and said, This guy was our member. And according to our culture, we have to bury him. So there was a fight between the church. Because even though he was in church, he was never a disciple. So the church had to let the cops go for the people of the black. And they took the elder away and buried the man. Nobody's saying you will die. But the way you trace your path will determine how you end. Amen. I have been to burial as a pastor of a member. And the church, the family does not even recognize that that, that member had a pastor. They did all their tradition and everything. Prayer was not even mentioned. Because you are in church. Your one leg is in the church and the other leg is fully involved in things of darkness. There is a time you have to decide where you belong and trace your path so you can follow. Hallelujah. Talk to the Lord this morning. I don't know what you heard this morning, but talk to the Lord. Speak to the Lord. Oh God, help me to follow. Help me to be a disciple. Help me to deny myself. Help me to be an example of a true Christian. Help me, Father. Help me, Father.